I can't I can't help but hear that song and think of Karen's service. You know, it's just so beautifully done and perfectly fits. And if if you hadn't noticed the the English words are written in your bulletins, uh, and it's the perfect perfect piece of music for today. So as David comes to read one of the more organic stories in Scripture, um, just listen to the whole idea of soil and planting. Listen. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Holy wisdom, holy word. One of the things that I most appreciate and most love about living in this area is, is just the, the beauty of the earth around us. And, you know, I don't, when I come to the church um, to work throughout the week, I, I don't any longer come down over on 150th because it's insane trying to make a left turn onto Newport Way from there. So I come and go over Somerset, and without fail, um, just to slow down up at the top of the hill just beyond Somerset Elementary and look out over the beauty that is there. And yeah, you have these two cities that you can see springing up, but it, it's, what you notice more than that even is the mountains in the distance and the trees that just surround us. And, and even more than that, we live in a state that is unlike any other where on this side you have these evergreens and the, and the beauty of that and, and the water, and yet you go to the east, and particularly as you go 90 and turn south down toward Pullman and travel through the Palouse, particularly those times of year where the wheat is just golden and it is as far as the eye can see. And especially if there's that gentle breeze, it's like the waves of an ocean just running over that. It's just, oh. So beautiful. And even though we live in a city, all around us are, is agriculture. You drive down 167, and, and just as you, before you reach Auburn, you look to your right, and there's the pumpkins, or whatever the crop may be. There have been beets, and there are other kinds of things. We are surrounded by these kinds of organic elements. And it's one of the most dramatic growing areas, really, in the world unlike around Nazareth, where Jesus did this story. And and again, just to to, to remind us of what it was like back then, and and particularly even is like that to a great extent today, is it's one of the most challenging areas in the world to plant anything. Because if the weather turns and the weather comes from the east, that's the Arabian desert. And that hot, arid desert, Terrible, just oppressive heat comes and it will literally kill in an instant almost because of the level of that heat, anything that's planted there. But at the same time, if the weather comes from the west, it's very much like what we've 
been experiencing, particularly this year, of torrential rains that will wash away the soil. And so the riskiness is worth what they end up doing as sowers. They take their bag of seed and they literally cast it anywhere and everywhere. Into the rocks, into the shallow soil, into what is supposed to be good soil, into the trampled pathways, and that seed will take root. But it has to be at an opportune time and at an opportune place, in an opportune kind of soil, in order to finally take root and bear fruit whether it's wheat or whatever it may be, to bear the purpose of that plant. Fruit was the same way. And and you think of the olives uh, and other kinds of elements of, of what's grown there. And again, it's risky. But the only way for fruit or grain or anything to continue its life is to take the seed that is produced by the plant and replant it so that that kind of element or that kind of plant or that kind of fruit continues. As I look at this table, I think of the same thing. Uh, you heard many of you who are here my story, and there are three folks who are, uh, whose candles will be lit who were there for me at very opportune times. And I was not the most fertile of soil. Many of those times, and particularly Mike Bigley and Tim Bigelow. Um, but they persisted and planted those seeds in me. And then Peter Schmidt was the one who finally said, Brad, I think you're called to ministry. We all have those folks in our lives. We all have folks in our lives who have planted those seeds that have helped us nurture who we are and what we have become. Every single one of us. And I think to a great extent, the reason that we're sitting here this morning is because of some of those seed planters. But we are also a people of free will. And so we are able to make choices around our own capability to grow, our own capability to, to go deeper in our own faith or, or to be positive in our lives. And again, here we are in an unprecedented season of politics. I have never in my life seen the level of negativity that we have seen. Thank God it has the potential of ending on Tuesday. But even that may not be the case. Every pundit that I've heard says it may not be the case that it would end on Tuesday. So what's our role in any of that? Well, I think we have a role of filling the negative vacuum with something else. Some kind of good news. Something that says there is more to this life. There is more to living here. There's more to these relationships than negativity. And we help turn that tide as a church to something more positive, to something more beautiful, to something more filled with grace. I think about, again, these folks, and and Paul took up where Jesus left off and talked about fruit. But Paul did it in an unusual way of naming nine elements 
that are the natural outgrowth of being in a relationship with Christ and being filled by the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't fruits of the Spirit. It was singular. Fruit of the Spirit. The natural outgrowth of continuing to nurture our own faith. And I, I'm going to read this part of the sermon. I, I, it's, it's what I think is really well represented on this table for many of us. These folks, many of them, and this congregation, so many of us, but I'll focus on the candles, they exuded a love that was patient and kind. They exuded a joy that was contagious and a joy that filled us. They exuded a peace that really did pass understanding, a kindness that extended well beyond those closest to them and on into even the most distant places and persons. They shared with us and showed us what goodness means. It was a goodness that made us want to be around them, learn from them, and and be undergirded with a level of trust with them where we could really truly share our true selves with them. Many of them were faithful, faith-filled, faith-oriented, and faith-seekers. They were even faith-bringers and faith-teachers. More than any of those, they lived their faith in a way that went well beyond their words. Their actions taught us what faith looked like so much more than what faith sounded like. They were gentle, grace-filled lovers of Christ. And the result of all of that was that they had the kind of self-control that taught us as much by their example as any of the previous parts of that fruit. And let's remember that it is the combination of those elements that create faithful fruit. But we can't stop there. Because if we stop there, it would be like quince disappearing from the earth. Or apples or oranges or tomatoes or whatever it may be. We have to then see our role as being the next set of seed planters. And to some extent, what that means is we have to help those coming behind us or who are living around us to help understand what it means to cultivate that soil. What needs to be added to it? What needs to be generated by it? And friends, I will tell you again, I would not be here, should not be here, had it not been for those three and a multitude of others who patiently held me accountable, nurtured things that that helped me understand that I can be so much more than just this. But it's only with the help of God that that can happen, and they taught me. So who are you teaching right now? Who is sitting around you right now? Who that you know or even maybe that you don't know yet needs that good news, that nurturing, fulfilling seed? Well, today we celebrate these. We remember these. We become guided again by these. And here's what I'd like you to notice. As every one of these candles is lit, notice how much greater the light becomes. Notice just above the candles the the heat 
the warmth that is generated by each one of these lights and how much it kind of grows exponentially the, the more candles that are lit. I look at this and I see the church. This is what we need to be for this world, particularly right now, are those lights and that warmth and that love of Christ. Two of our choir members are going to help light the candles as I read the names. David Lutz is going to come and ring the bell. And and here are some instructions. I'm going to take a moment of just silence and prayer before we begin. But as the name is read, I would invite you to stand if you knew them. To remember their lives, and I'll pause between each of the names being read. And let's just remember the light that they were. So I invite you all to come down. God of all creation, as we remember these who have gone before us, help us remember that they are, in fact, in a great cloud of witnesses. They are there still in our lives, surrounding us with love and grace, and even in some ways guidance. And we hold them dearly in our hearts as we read these names as we hear these names and hear the chime, help us remember, help us remember the influence that they had in our lives and now the choices that we continue to make to become better so that we too might share all this in Christ's name. Amen. Karen Kinney. Seiko Olson. Craig Petrie. Roland Schmidt. Jack Wilder. Valerie Andrews. Betty Appleby. Becca Ashby. Tim Bigelow. Mike Bigley. Nicole Bauer. Billy Cothran. Dwayne Coble, Randy and Cami Elliott. Let's do two candles for them. 
Pearl Erickson. Randolph Friesen. George Hanna. Donna Harris. Holly. Hobart Hinderleiter. Tim Kinney. Viola Kirchum. Alonzo Knox. Audrey Kolsky. Geneva Lingerfeld. Norm Ludke. Charles McIntyre. Fred Maloney. <coughs> Eric Medall and Sandra. John Parrott. Ola Purdue. Roy Peterson. Alan Petrie. Edna Pudwell. Maggie Rath. Lois Roos. Maxine Rustwin. Peter Schmidt. Jerry Simpson. Bill Serreris. Robert Sylvester. Mona Teeter. There are two candles left.
And what I would invite us to do is to just take a moment and lift the names of those who were not heard on this list. And I'll have you light those two candles as those two as the names are lifted at this point. Just go ahead and say them out loud. Uh, Mark Lessenbrook. Others. Dan Hefflinger. Let's pray together. God, these are lights for us. Lights who are now with you. Lights who have warmed our hearts, who have guided our steps, who have filled us with warmth, who have motivated us to be who we are. We ask your blessing on these lights, these candles this morning. And help us to see the next set. The light that we need to be in places around us. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.